femininity is powerful in all its forms. Exceptional women, rare girls must be appreciated in every way for their perspectives, actions, thoughts, and their unique ways of being. Such rare girls are inspiring, and this is what this podcast is all about. Hello, my name is Aziz, and my guest today is Anastasia Moskalenko. Anastasia is a student of international relations at the Institute of International Relations, Taras Shevchenko National University of Kiev, Ukraine. She is the deputy chief of the Politics and Diplomacy Club, Ambassador, which is a wonderful club promoting many activities for the students at her institute. Hello, Anastasia. How are you today? Hello. (laughs) Really glad to hear you again. And I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. Let's begin with whatever is on your mind, which could be anything, although I have a guess what it could be. But these days, what do you keep on thinking about often? That is a topic that demands your thought, your action, or demands your insights? Uh, You know, considering the context of uh, ongoing events, so the war basically, I think the most basic thing one thinks about is um, probably the safety of yourself, of your close ones, and of course of those who live near you. Um, Once again, I'm quite lucky to to, to be in the place where uh, it's relatively safe. So I think one of the chief things about which I think nowadays is how can I help others? Um, first of all, basically, this is my most important contribution could be studying and do as much as I can in my realm, in my own realm, as the chief deputy of the club, as a good student, uh, maybe set an example for somebody else studying so that we can form a powerful community and build a bigger future. So that really keeps me going now. <laughs> I like that. And I'm going to switch to a totally different direction because I'm noticing the energy and it's very determined, very strong. Do you feel you're a feminine person or do you feel yourself more masculine or both? How is your experience of that? Uh, In terms of energy, I would say that both feminine and masculine in ways. Uh, To be honest, it's hard to define femininity and masculinity. Uh, and I think this applies more to um, maybe the visual appearances or some mm, other thoughts that we might have from uh, previous centuries maybe left. I really enjoy seeing women in um, you know governing positions even now in Ukraine. I see how many how much women do to solve different issues. And the problem um, of deciding whether you're feminine or masculine, is not an issue as of now because I think both genders are uh, hopefully being represented equally as of now as I see it. More and more people are, yes, actually people, I would say that. So in terms of defining myself, it's more like I'm a person. So I would share the qualities of uh, traditional feminine, so to say, and traditional masculine qualities. And I think determination, will to work are not really shared by genders. It's not either feminine or masculine. So it's just something that the person feels and goes forward to. Then what does it mean for you to be a person? 
Um, it's about all kinds of qualities one could feel to grow in themselves, so to say. Uh, for somebody, the key trait they want to have is kindness. For some, it's, um, so, so to say, the wish to either govern or to be um, the decision maker in some questions. Uh, for some, it's important to be an example for, for others. Um, and some really say their bar for, for example, be a good person as a mother or a dad, which is also a good thing. And uh, everybody's unique perspective is what they put into that definition of being a person. Thank you. And let's return to the topic of the war because that was such an insightful and wise answer. I know you had a lot of thoughts before this war about non-proliferation, about politics, about everything. So what are your thoughts about this invasion? What do you see from your own perspective as Anastasia herself, as well as someone who is interested in international relations, politics, and uh, armament and things like that? And what's your perspective on the next steps that could be happening in this war? Um, from my own perspective, as you said, like from my Anastasia perspective, um, of course, it is um, an act of violence against my nation, against basically my own house and against my own dignity as a citizen of this, of this country or Ukraine. Um, of course, this is some kind of instinct which, in you know, just uh, wakes up in you immediately. Um, it's almost as if like... You, you, the feeling is almost like your family members are being taken away from you. You cannot do the regular things. Uh, to say this is discomfort is not to say anything. So, of course, this is a violent act. Now, regarding the whole situation of the state and the perspective of not of a regular citizen, uh, but more of a person to act in the sphere of international relations in the future, um, I think, and about which I'm quite glad, um, Ukraine is now at the center of change of the whole world, I would even say. The world system felt that need for being rebuilt, for being made anew once again. This happened after the First World War, this happened after the Second World War. <laughs> By no means I'm taking this, and I really hope this will not take any more escalations. I really hope it will not. Um, but it seems to me that the world... Uh, came to the point when it stand, when it stood near the point of um, it needed some shakeup, so to say, to wake up again. So I'm quite happy about the fact that Ukraine is that strong country, setting the example for other countries, um, sovereign states to actually stand together. And this is not only the war of, um, so to say, this is the war which is Russia waging against Ukraine, against Ukraine, and Ukraine is obviously just defending itself. Um, this is the war of both um, parts of the world, so to say. This is the war of democracy against totalitarian regime. And once again, I think the system of the world is going to be rebuilt after this. After each rain and thunder, there comes sun and good weather. So I really hope for the positive change afterwards. But for now, we must endure the struggle. That's really interesting. Please tell me more how was the world order before? Why do you feel it needed a shake-up? And what will be the next page that will be written? How would things be really different because of this 
role Ukraine is playing in shaking up the world, as you said, and creating a new order? Um, I think I'll start with some notions, uh, with some notion basically of historical memory. And since the World War II, it has quite, it has been fading with some time. And after decades of basically no massive um, warfare uh, waged against uh, members of the EU or members of the democratic world, so to say, of course, there were wars, of course, and where the, there were a lot of conflicts and where a lot of wars, bloody and really disgusting ones. But um, the center of democracy, as in Europe and USA, were not really shaken up by those, war by those wars. Now, the war which is happening right now is the one which is bound to shake up the whole world system because um, it proved that non-negotiations or, so to say, um, any kind of written um, agreements, they don't always work. Or it's rather sad that there will always will be players of the international arena which um, will eventually shake up the world, the world order the way they want which is illegal, but um, I think the world will have to find a new decision for this. Uh, by this time, uh, the decision was to create more agreements and uh, international law has facilitated the processes. But as of now, um, I think we have to find a new answer. There is no um, state which, we, uh, which would be a global policeman to stop anybody waging a war against other state. So we have to find a new decision for this. Thank you. And since you're staying in Kyiv itself, which is a big part of the conflict, how do you keep your mental health okay? What do you do either to distract yourself or keep your optimism or not let this war rob you for, of the will to live and to keep on going? You said yes. It's like your family members being taken away from you. You can't focus on anything else but also it's important to keep going. What helps you do that and how do you do it? Um, well, I would say that probably the key factor in all of this and which helps me the most is the spirit. Is the Ukrainian spirit that we have right now. It feels almost as if the whole, truly, the whole state uh, has waken up. Uh, I wouldn't say from the sleep, but maybe from, you know, a little nap. <laughs> And uh, I really feel the unity in everything we do. It feels um, that every random stranger on the street actually feels the same as you. You have you share the same aim, you share the same goals, you share the same vision of the future. And this is actually quite a powerful tool because um, in the recent days, I had the opportunity to just, you know, uh, take a stroll <laughs> around the house at least. And um, just seeing people outside uh, trying to at least um, live their regular lives um, helps you to understand that um, someday it will be peaceful, someday the old days would be back. And um, the motivation itself is quite natural in this way. So you feel that um, if there is future, if there is hope, I have to work now. I have to help with whatever I can, with whatever I can do for others so that we work towards our victory. Anastasia, honestly, it's always a privilege and a pleasure to spend time with you. And to ask you even more, because 
you're very interested in international relations and this crisis made your specialty more relevant than ever. What were the original reasons why you started studying international relations and did they change now and evolve because of the war and the Russian aggression against Ukraine? Um, okay, so the initial reasons for that were probably quite um, personal, I think. Uh, I really enjoyed different cultures. I enjoyed how different nations um, interacted. I always loved languages. And I think um, one of my first thoughts was actually um, journalism. Uh, but then I realized that I don't really want to write about somebody saying, um, you know, stating facts or um basically highlighting some of the facts. I want to be able to make my own decisions. I want to be a decision maker. Um, and so it kind of connected in the one broad sphere of international relations, uh, both the diversity of cultures, language learning, um, desire to actually, desire to change <laughs> something to work for the better. Um, and it all tied together. <laughs> I really hope so quite well. Uh, regarding the sphere changing, um, even in this course, I think in the course of uh, the recent, uh, not only of this month, um, even more already, but uh, in the course of uh, recent years, we've seen some changes uh, in the sphere of international relations, and all of them were quite connected to the po uh, to that point of um, the system experiencing some kind of burnout. I mean, the world system the politics uh, in the context we have um, used to um, digest them in, so to say. Um, and uh, yes, international relations have taken their new loop of uh, evolution and we're yet to see where it's going. Thank you. And since you're staying in Ukraine and in Kiev itself, while a lot of millions and millions of Ukrainians left, do you believe that many of them will return to rebuild Ukraine or because of the destruction, the whole situation and many people who maybe will start a new education abroad, new jobs, a new life, they might not return and therefore Ukraine will have a forced brain drain and a loss of people and potential to be rebuilt faster. What are your thoughts about this? Uh, you know, this topic has been um, the topic for, you know, uh, brain food, for so to say, for some time. And at first I was quite um, skeptical about some conclusions. Um, of course, people are in the stress situation when they are choosing safety above everything. Um, so experiencing brain drain is, um, it is not something provoked from situation inside of the state, but rather the, of the condition uh, which, um, well, <laughs> war is not something that we started. So, of course, this is not dependent on us. Um, and I think it was um, quite a debating, a debating state, I'm sorry, <laughs> debating statement at first. But now I'm quite sure, I'm actually really certain uh, that, yes, many people will, will come back. And actually, even in the course of these couple of weeks, um, so I think it's the 45th day of the war for us. Um, and um, even in the span of these couple of weeks, uh, people have uh, left 
the city in the first uh, two or three days, and many have already came back. Uh, the streets are getting livelier, not only because people are actually coming out of the streets, but because uh, there are many people coming to the city. Um, even to the point that the mayor of Kiev had to state that uh, it's still not too certain to come back to the city because so many people already already wanted to come home to uh, be here. Um, the initial feeling of stress and uh, maybe fear, it has already passed. And the only thing which is left is now the determination and the determination to stay strong, to stand still until we actually get the victory. So um, I think uh, even if um, Ukraine experiences some kind of brain dr uh, drain, I think the majority will actually come back. Uh, and for those who don't, I actually have been in contact with some uh, people who left uh, for other states, but uh, they're working for the best of Ukraine. So they're uh, people writing articles about Ukraine, just staying abroad. Um, they're trying out different methods of engaging the community abroad to help Ukraine. They're doing some events, they're doing some fundraising campaigns, whatever they can to help. That's really hopeful and optimistic i like that and to ask you even deeper some sociologists and psychologists argue that this war will cause a generational trauma within ukrainians where people will have a lot of ptsd the whole society will be more negative more shocked a lot less alive and a lot less full of energy until the next generation that would not have this war experience. Do you believe this is a correct assessment? Or actually, like you're saying and noticing, that there will be more joie de vivre and appreciation for every moment and desire to rebuild and work hard, even though people experience the war, it didn't turn them into helpless victims, but rather into active participants who are rebuilding victoriously the country. What's your own perspective on this? Really interesting question because I'm not um, an, ex an expert myself, but I'm the person living here and the one who can uh, observe. So maybe I'm not the professor of sociology, but I'm the person to observe and actually to report life <laughs> from, the, you know, from the place of events. Um, so I would say that this forecast is somehow depressing and partially, I don't think it's true. I don't think it's true. Uh, what I've seen right now, um, like in this couple of uh, weeks, recent weeks, uh, once again, the fear and the stress are leaving and, um, there are more and more people, especially in the environment of young people, um, students studying universities, young people working, um, they have that determination uh, and um, they have what it takes to actually rebuild the country. So I have no doubt about that. And um, we actually have the power to rebuild the state. Of course, some mental uh, problems might be severed in some cases, of course, especially in the places where people have... Um, uh, in some places which are now being discussed uh, in the media, which are being constantly attacked, um, and some cities which have been ruined to like literally zero houses standing right now. Um, of course, this is traumatizing to the point that the person doesn't actually see a way to not only rebuild, but even create something new to start afresh. Um, but in what 
maybe the key thing in which I believe is that if we stand together, everything will be possible. Uh, the motivation for now, and I think it serves not only for me, but for thousands and millions actually of my compatriots here, is that we're together and we, sh we share the same vision of our future. And this essentially sharing the same vision is what defines the nation, the sovereign and independent nation. And until we have our victory, um, we won't stop. So uh, it's something that serves as um, also as, uh, so to say, um, a life-saving instinct. If you think about it, so this is the aim to work for, this is the goal, this is the, con the concentration of efforts, where they go to, thoughts, prayers, all go to this. Thank you very much. And I love your observation and how optimistic it is. And to ask you about your own assessment as well of victory, as you mentioned it, because some people argue that if there were, will be like a signed peace treaty between Russia and Ukraine, there are many negative possible outcomes, such as Russia just preparing for a, another invasion with a lot more force and a lot more ability in a couple of years, or that if Russia loses, they will keep on destabilizing Ukraine and creating negative situations, terrorist attacks, things like that, that will not allow Ukraine to prosper. What do you feel about it? What kind of victory is possible? And do you think that there is a really positive outcome that is possible right now, especially with the leadership of Russia still in place? Uh, well, that's a fact that um, someday there will be a peace agreement. Someday there's going to be an agreement, at least. Um, and, of course, the most uh, important points will be enshrined in the international documents, as always. Um, we are yet to see how effective they're going to be. But our government has already been developing um, multiple ways of sustaining the peace, as it should be, actually. Uh, so to prevent Russia from breaking this these agreements again. Um, one of the most important, probably, systems of how to prevent it is to create the guarantee systems. Uh, so the guarantee system uh, is basically the system of countries, which also signed the document, the agreement, and they're as responsible for the security of Ukraine as Russia is. Um, basically, all participants are equally responsible and are obliged to are obliged not to um, worsen the conditions of the sovereignty, not to breach any contracts, not to breach any agreements uh, signed with Ukraine. Um, basically, this actually makes just a more powerful international document. And I really hope that if such a document will be signed, then it's going to be one of the new um, models, examples, maybe, yes, role models for next uh, next generation documents, international documents signed in the future. Um, as we have seen already, many of those agreements signed before are not working properly. Some of them are getting breached. And to stop that, we might uh, want to think about a new system of how to stop it. Thank you very much. And on a more personal note, when peace returns and things in Kiev are back to normal and life is rebuilt even better than before, what are some of the things you miss that you look forward to experiencing again with people? Probably first and foremost is uh, going back to the university. 
this is basically the community in, in which I am right now. Uh, of course, I want to see my other fellow students, friends, um, family members being alive and well, um, other compatriots, uh, compatriots as well, as, um, as well <laughs> so to say, being healthy. Um, this is the main point. And uh, I think there is no particular thing which you miss when it comes to states like this. Um, this is overall the feeling of peaceful life. Um, but you know, as of now, I can't really say that I miss the feeling. Uh, missing something is not knowing when it's gonna be back. Um, it's not the feeling of nostalgia. It's a feeling, um, I actually have a very uh, certain opinion regarding this. I know the peaceful times are gonna be back in some time. Um, so for now, I'm just waiting for them to come. <laughs> I love your optimism. And to end on a positive and even more positive, since you had a lot of positive things that you shared, note, what kind of advice do you have to your fellow Ukrainians or message or something you want to share to support their spirits during these times? Oh, this one. I think in times like this, all of us serve as advisors for each other. Um, I won't be saying long speeches here. I think the only phrase matters for now, stay strong and stay alive. Uh, first thing we have to care about is our own safety. And then, of, of course, right after this, the safety of our family members, our friends and loved ones. Um, and I believe that if you're safe, you can do anything because we're together. We stand together here on our native land. We're just protecting it and we don't have, we don't even have the right to fall. We don't have any opportunity to do that. So I truly believe in our united and strong victory. Thank you. Slava Ukraini. And I wish Hello, you a I'm great Slava. day. Thank you. Great day to you. I wish you blessings, victory and all your dreams to come true. Thank you, Anastasia. Thank you so much. It was actually a really, ple <laughs> a really pleasant talk. I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much.